0: Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online, so you can access it from anywhere in the world. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whenever it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist with no additional cost. With BetterHelp, you, got, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from an office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% of your first month at betterhelp.com slash how to survive society. That's better H E L P dot slash how to survive society. Hello survivors. This is your girl Abby Ayola Williams and you're now listening to how to survive society. How to survive society Is a weekly podcast that features survivors. These are people that have been through the ringers in life. They've been through hell and back, but they choose to stay positive. They choose to win. They choose to thrive and they choose to survive. So let's get right into it. Hello, survivors. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of How to Survive Society. Today, I have Dr. Michael Jaquith. He's a PhD chemist who left the corporate world and now helps men everywhere discover how to escape addictions and live a more meaningful and fulfilling life. Hello, Dr. Michael. How are you doing today?
1: Abby, I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited.
0: Thank you for coming on. So, um, I'm going to start with. Because you said the reason why you do this for men now is because of the way that you grew up, you know, um, where did you grow up and what, what were your experience growing up?
1: So I grew up in a tiny town in Northern Michigan, and I'm sad to say, I grew up in a pretty abusive household. My father was abusive verbally, physically, sexually, in almost every way. And so I, I left that household pretty angry and pretty hurt. And that's probably a mild statement. I also had a lot of shame about myself and stuff that happened as I was going to high school. So when I left the home, I pretty much was running away as fast as I could.
0: So when you say sexually, what do you mean by that?
1: Your I mean father? Yeah. You know, so my my dad uh, had some actions with my sister, and so he yeah. went to jail for about ten years because of those. And unfortunately, also the other side effect of kind of that was is it's a small town. It kind of became pretty widely known what had happened mm-hmm. and it became something that many of the high schools were used to, to taunt other members of the family and the phrases were used and labels were thrown and so it kind of spilled all over the place and it was a pretty powerful impact in terms of my life and my understanding of sexuality and relationships and all that kind of stuff.
0: Wow I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. So when... Did you get a chance to move from that small town? Like, how did you, where did you go to college? How did you manage the taunting and the bullying from your um, classmates and stuff like that?
1: So when I went to college, I kind of went quite a ways away because I was like, I need a new fresh start. And I ran as far as I could, cut off all ties I could to the old people in the old town. And I went to college at a small college up in northern, way up in north called uh, Michigan Tech. And for the first couple of years, I drank alcohol like a fish and chased ladies and what I call chased the church of hedonism, just pursuit of pure pleasure. And pretty quickly realized, well, maybe getting yourself totally drunk every night doesn't turn out as nice as it might sound at first. And then after I finished there, I went even further, still trying to further escape and went all the way out to upstate New York, where I went to graduate school at Cornell. And it wasn't really until probably about maybe four or five years into my graduate world Life that I finally decided, golly, chasing pleasure alone isn't giving me what I want. And boy, I gave it a heck of a shot, though.
0: Hmm, I see. So after you went through all that um, alcoholism and things like that, how did you get yourself out of that mindset?
1: So for me, a big part of that is the faith. Um, When I was in my fifth year of graduate school, I finally decided to embrace the faith. But I think even beyond that, I kind of knew that It just wasn't a future for that. And there's the old saying about, you know, you you keep going deeper and deeper into stuff. And I should mention too, I was heavily addicted to pornography through all of this, that there's the old saying that once you hit rock bottom, but rock bottom doesn't exist. The only real rock bottom out there is death. At some point in time, every person who's suffering with an addiction, suffering with something that in their life they don't want, they eventually have to decide, this is costing me too much and I'm not willing to do it anymore. And I hit that point and I said... I don't want to become my father because you know I, I hate i would not i would i would have like punch you in the face not literally if you had t- told me this at the time but that's what was happening is i was slowly turning to my father and i was like no i'm not going to do that i want a mm-hmm. real family with a real marriage that becomes something that makes a difference in the world
0: wow so when you when you left college university and you went to new york and all that is that when you met Are you married to your first wife right now? Or
1: yes, ma'am. So I actually moved over to Portland, Oregon, and I worked for Intel during research. And it was there that I met my wife. And she and I got married pretty quickly. And I thought once I got married, all my problems were over. I'm like, it's done. That phase of my life is behind me, right? And that turned out not to be true. Turns out you can't take a whole bunch of emotional childhood baggage and go through a whole bunch of period of trying to drown yourself in alcohol and pornography and just assume it goes away magically so we started having children we had children very quickly actually um i kind of pretty quickly and realized i still have myself to work through
0: so oh wow that's it's good that you realize that you need to work through the things so how did you help yourself to get out of that mindset
1: there were there were a lot of guys that God sent into my life that really helped me to make some changes. But let me tell you just a few stories. Um, so one day I remember I had a one year old, and so I understand some people may not be faithful, but just imagine here, like you have a one year old that's really acting up. And I happen to be at church, and I'm I'm getting so angry. And like I, I didn't, don't get me wrong, I didn't go across any lines of doing anything, but I was just clearly visibly angry by this one year old acting up. And this other guy's watching me. He doesn't say anything. But the next week he comes up to me afterwards and he says, Hey, my name's Ben. I say, Hi, Ben. My name is Michael. And he said, I don't want you to think this is out of line, but I used to have some struggles in my life. And another guy came up to help me and he reaches over and he hands me this little flash drive. And he said, here's a flash drive full of audio talks that helped me a bunch. And then he hands me his card and he says, and if you ever want to have lunch, I'm here to talk. Listen to those and let's chat about it. And he walks away. Like no, no, no strings attached, nothing at all whatsoever. And at first I'm like, oh, thanks, Ben. Like, you know, what's going on with me, you know, kind of still have some of that defiant childish attitude in me, of course. And my wife prompted me a little bit. She said, maybe you should check it out. I think his wife had talked to her too, but that's, that works out. And the very first talk on, of course, was dealing with anger. And I listened to that. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm totally doing all this. And so sure enough, a couple days later, I text Ben and said, all right, let's do lunch. And true to his word, he was there as a mentor. He showed up. He listened, he asked good questions, and Ben started the process of changing my life.
0: Wow, well, that is amazing that you found yourself a mentor, even though you weren't looking for one. <laughs> so now from there, you became a life coach yourself who specializes into um, in addiction. So let's say someone is looking to maybe transform their life from being addicted to something. So what's the most important thing that they can do to do that?
1: I think the most important thing we have to understand about addictions is they're almost never about what they seem to be about. I literally had a meeting with a client just a little while ago, and I have to be very vague, but he is dealing with an addiction. And the addiction, you might assume, had to do with lust. And the truth is, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Deep down, this client, like every other human being, is struggling with these deep issues of brokenness of identity. One of the exact lines that was used was, I will never be loved. And he believed that line so much because we all, when we're struggling we turn to something of the world, are trying to fill that exact same hole. It's the hole that I was trying to fill when I ran to alcohol and pornography. It's the hole that all of us have this deep, deep desire in our chest to be loved, to be praised and cherished for who we are. And when we believe we're not going to get that, will turn to whatever source of comfort we have. And so the first thing you have to do if you want to change your life or your addiction is you've got to be willing to look into that deep, dark spot you do not want to look at and make peace with that part of yourself. Embrace that little piece of yourself that is looking for love. Because here's the reality, unfortunately, Abby, most of us, even if we look at that piece, get angry and cast shame. We cast shame on ourselves because we cannot stand that piece of ourselves it's it's i've heard lots of words i've heard gross i've heard ridiculous unacceptable i've heard all these different words regarding that piece of ourselves but the point is that piece of ourselves needs love just like every other piece and as we build up that identity we slowly realize we don't even need the addiction anymore
0: is that's a good um tip and a good thing to say so how do you respond like for men especially I can respond to the unique challenges of living a Christian life in the modern world because I'm a Christian to myself. So I know the challenges of trying to be a Christian and try not to give into the worldly, you know, sins and whatever, you know what I mean? So I can, men, um, respond to the unique challenges.
1: I think we need to start by calling a spade a spade. And this is a difficult time to be a guy. There's a lot of feminization of our culture. And bluntly, there's a lot of male abdication of responsibility. If you look at the divorce rates, men have left their marriages more than ever before. And the statistical correlation between guys, boys who grow up without fathers, becoming guys who don't know what they are and who they are and what they're supposed to do in the world, turning to all sorts of problems, that statistical correlation is incredibly high, it causes problems all over the place. And so if you're a guy, Living in this culture right now, likely you're struggling with asking the question: What is a man? Am I a man? How would I even know? And what does a man even do if I, if I even if I am a man? And this gets even more complicated because as a Christian, we're specifically called to be a man that role models Jesus Christ. And let me be honest with you, Abby, that is an intimidating challenge. I I, I am not a very good Jesus Christ. Like I I'd have yet to meet another human being who really stands up to that model. And so when I'm unsure what it is to be a man anyways, and you say, do that thing right behind me at the wall for those who obviously can't see there's a crucifix where Jesus is being crucified on the cross. I'm like, I don't really want that. That doesn't look fun. And so right now in a time when masculinity is kind of not clearly defined and really celebrated, it's really hard as a Christian man to do that, especially when the pressure from society is higher than ever. Decided that rejects Christian values, that rejects the value of chastity, that rejects the value of sacrificial leadership, and all that that entails. It, it takes a lot for a guy to do that, and the more thing you got to do if you're a Christian guy, be trying to become a Christian man who lives the calling that Christ gives to men, is to surround yourself with other Christian men because you were not meant to do it alone.
0: Those are great tips. So um, it's fun that you said the world is more uh, feminizing men do you think the reason why is because men like you said men don't know how to be a man right and even though you know there's there's this documentary that came out about what is a woman and some men that transformed into women believe that they're women even though we all know if you don't have a womb or if you can carry a child you're not really considered a woman biologically, right? But um I know, like you said, there's a lot of things going on in this world that's against like the Christian values. So how can men be men in this society without stepping on somebody's toes, you know, like <sighs> do you understand what I'm saying? Ch- yeah. yeah.
1: And I think the problem is that the common perception of masculinity is one of only two. It's either completely spineless, boneless, willing to comply with whatever authority says, or it's harsh and tyrannical and oppressive and doesn't care about anything. It's like the epitome of the patriarchy. And there is a middle road. There is a way to be masculine, to lead, to say this is the truth, but to say it with charity. And let me go back straight to the Bible in this, because I think it has the perfect answer for this question. In Ephesians 5, there's a passage that so many people get so upset about because it starts off with the line, wives be submissive to your husband. And if you just stop there, it's easy to understand why people get upset. But if you keep reading, Paul writes then some stuff to the men. And what Paul writes to the men is actually, if you pause and digest it, pretty shocking. He challenges men to serve their wives in the same way that Christ loved the church, which was literally to offer his life, his blood, to pour out every drop of everything he had in service of them, even while being rejected. And Abby, I'm convinced that any man who lives the authentic calling of Christ will find a woman who is eager to embrace that style of leadership, a man who really will serve that way, who embraces not what society shows. Society shows us Homer Simpson and Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones. That's about it. But the calling of Christ is one of actual service. And that service is radically different. And I don't, we don't have time to get into some of the different elements of masculine and feminine that have been lost. And, and I share your frustration about this idea that you can snip a few tubes with a pair of scissors and change a gender. It does seem a little difficult to understand how that's caught such a widespread set mindset. But the deepest reality is that a man who serves his wife, his children, and his community by offering up his very life in various forms to do that, will gain a leadership position that others are eager to follow.
0: Hmm. Those are, those are great, um, thoughtful answers. So let's say um, somebody now is addicted to pornography or alcohol. So what steps do you help? Because I know that that's what you do. You coach men from again to get away from the addiction. So what's the first step that person needs to take once they know, you know what, I need help? So what's the first thing that they need to do?
1: I think the first thing you need to do is to find someone to help you. And it's it's very difficult right now because here's the reality. If you're in the church, it's very likely most people you tell this to will try to shame you. I have had priests during my confessions shame me as I'm confessing my addiction to pornography. And if you're outside the church, the very most likely thing someone's going to do is to encourage to keep you doing it anyways. So the number one thing you have to do is find someone who's willing to help you, who shares your values, who shares your beliefs, but does it to help you rather than shaming you. And then once you found that person, that that person to keep you, to serve you with accountability, to serve you with an, an accurate feedback, an accurate mirror to hold back up, is to start digging in. We talked about this a little bit earlier. What are some of these identity wounds taking place in your heart? And how do you learn to love that part of yourself, to embrace the feeling of being broken, to embrace the feeling of being not good enough, of being worthless, of being rejected, of being not a man, of being not enough, to embrace and allow that feeling to come. And then, if you're of the faith tradition, to allow our Lord to come in in its wake. And here's the reality, Abby. A lot of guys think they're not strong enough to handle a really yucky emotion. We aren't taught how to do it. Women have such a blessing when it comes to being able to handle emotions that men don't naturally have. And on top of that, men are not taught how to do that. And so one yucky emotion just destroys us. And we run straight back to the bottle, straight back to the internet clicks, whatever. But when we learn that we're strong enough to handle those emotions and that there's something different that comes after it, that begins the process. And I've rushed through that. This is not a quick process necessarily. Sometimes people will take months to go through this type of difficult soul searching and reevaluation of identity
0: Hmm. that that makes sense so it's like just reach out to someone that has the same values and we encourage you instead of making fun of you because you're right people (laughs) if you tell somebody oh i have a problem they'll just be like well that's not really a problem Just continue doing it like you said, or, you know, so that that makes sense. Like, just find someone that will encourage you instead of discouraging you into doing the same thing. So let's say someone wants to reach out to you to say, I want you to be my coach, Michael, and help me out of addiction. How can they reach out to you?
1: So you can find me, whether it's my podcast or my webpage, at Catholic Life Coach for Men. Dot com is the podcast as it is the webpage But here's what I tell guys. I am very proud of my faith. My faith is one of the main reasons I'm here to talk to you today and not in some gutter law somewhere. And I will work with any guy that's sincere about trying to get better. I particularly specialize in working with men who are Christian. And one of the biggest reasons why is I believe that faith is such an important part. So Catholic CatholicLifeCoachForMen.com.
0: That's perfect. And before we go, is there any last thing you would like to tell the men out there that are going through life and society is just beating them down every day? They don't know who they are or what they want or what they want. So is there any tips you have for that type of person out there?
1: Absolutely. The number one biggest one I have to share is you are not alone. And and this is profound. The The lies in your heart is that everybody else is doing fine. They don't have this problem. Look at my Facebook feed. Look at my TikTok feed. Look at my Instagram feed. Everyone else is doing great. They're totally happy. They have the perfect marriage, the perfect life, the perfect parents, whatever. All of it's good to go. It's just me. It's just me that's so broken and I have to hide it. You don't have to hide it. You're not alone. There are many, many men. There are more men in this situation than not. And we've got to begin talking about it. The second thing I want to offer you is a call to greatness. And when we accept the lies and the mediocrity that comes with just dealing with that addiction, that just comes with just drifting through life, it's good enough. I'm making a buy. Here's the reality. You have one real essence this life, and that's your time. It's your time and what you can do with the world with it. And if you allow that to be wasted on mediocrity and drifting, you'll end up one day on your deathbed full of regrets, and no one ever ends up on their deathbed and saying, golly, I wish I'd solved one less problem. I wish I'd made less impact, and I wish I'd touched less people's lives and transformed the world to be a better place with more light. And it's, it's just not what happens. And when you get there, you want to, be able to look back and say, "I did make that difference. I did honor my calling. I stood tall. I stood up against the darkness, and I made a decision that touched someone's life and forever changed it in a way that will be a legacy long after I'm gone." Hmm,
0: that is some great 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 tips thank you so much michael for coming on and for the survivors out there please do reach out to michael if you need help with getting over any addiction that you may have especially if you're a man and you're a christian please reach out to him thank you so much michael for coming on
1: thank you abby i've really enjoyed our time together
0: thank you big big thank you to our guest for um for today And if you would like to learn more about today's topic, please go on howtosurvivesociety.com. There you can get um, some life skills courses and some merchandise and um, contact me if you would like to be a guest on the show. So thank you so much for tuning in and have yourself a lovely day. Within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over a hundred thousand podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's create something great together. So if you ever need help to start your own podcast, reach out to me. And then you know what you can do also? You know, you can follow the link in the show notes in the show notes that lets Buzzsprout know that. I sent you so you can get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan. And you can also support the show that way. So, yeah. So, if you're looking to start your own podcast, reach out to me. Follow the link under the notes show, and you'll be able to sign up and get a $20 Amazon card. Yeah.